Good evening. Hope everybody's doing all right tonight. It's a beautiful, beautiful day out today. All besides the wind, it'd be, be perfect, but it's, it's a, a beautiful day. Um, you can be t- turning to Romans chapter 1. We're going to get started. That's where we're going to be this evening. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. And um, I've been learning a lot about uh, just worship and, and um, uh, what it really means to worship and um, God's glory. I've just been kind of... It's been something I've kind of been diving into lately, and it's, um, I think, a really big issue. And so that's kind of what I'm going to talk about tonight is idolatry and worship. And um, so we're going to jump into Romans chapter 1, verse 18, 32, if you'll follow along with me there. <clears throat> For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedience to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Let's pray. God, we just come before you this evening. And we just come to you humbly, Lord. And as we read these scriptures, Lord, it's it's humbling to think that that we would exchange you for um, created things. We would exchange your glory for um, God worthless things. And I just pray this uh, this evening as we um, get into the scripture that you would just show us God areas of our life where we worship the wrong things where we don't give you the honor that's due, God. And and, um, we just acknowledge that you are the creator tonight, Lord, that you are in charge, and this is your world, and you are all-powerful. God, you're the only one deserving of glory and only one deserving of worship. And, um, God, I just pray that you would just speak to our hearts tonight. God, just um, use me, fill me with your spirit tonight, and just... um, God, teach us something about what it means to worship you. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. 
And we just ask this in his name. Amen. So I think idolatry and, and worship go, go hand in hand. Um, because basically idolatry is, is worship of the wrong things. Um, I looked up the, uh, the definition for idolatry. And basically it's some of the same terminology that you could apply to worship. Um, but in our sense, it's just the worship of wrong things. That's why the Bible terms idolatry just, um, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, these, guys, these people would worship idols, um, carving images or different gods um, that they had other than the true God. Um, and, and I don't think we think a lot about it. I, I, at least I don't. You may. But I, I, until recently, didn't think a lot about idolatry being a part of my life, you know, because I, I always have the image of, you know, this uh, statue that people are worshiping. And, and uh, I think that we, we are still affected by it a lot today, and we don't even realize it. Um, so, so basically, these verses are about worship. These verses we just read, we might not think of it just on the surface, um, but th- these verses are about worshiping the wrong things and, and worshiping something other than God. And um, we tend to do that, don't we? We tend to to put the wrong things in place uh, of God. And um, so I want to talk about that tonight. And first, I guess we would ask the question, what is worship? And uh, I like the definition that uh, Mark Driscoll gives in his book, Doctrine. I thought it was a, a really neat uh, definition of worship. But he describes it as a continue, continuous pouring out of self for something or so, uh, someone. So basically the idea is that we're, we're giving or serving or sacrificing a, of resources of our life for something or someone else. We're pouring out ourselves for something. That's what uh, he describes worship as. Um, then in another definition I heard uh, that... that uh, how worship it, it takes place is that um, the subject of our worship or object of our worship or our outpouring is fully engaged by our mind, our will, and our emotions. So basically, our whole self is fully engaged in whatever we're worshiping. So we, we um, you know, our, our giving of time or our, our thoughts or our, uh, you know, resources or money, different, we're, we're engaged fully in this thing that we're worshiping. Um, I try to think of a good illustration of that. And basically the best illustration I could think of was um, this kind of silly, but um, a, high, a high school dating relationship, like the, the typical high school dating relationship. And I say this because this was me at one time, and, and I, can, I can think in, in these terms as that, um, you know, you think of a high school guy and girl, and they, they meet each other, and uh, they're attracted to each other for certain reasons, maybe um, of a sense of humor or... Um, Looks, you know, this person's really cute, or we have a common interest, different things like that. And so they're attracted to each other, and uh, based on these attractions, they decide to get into a relationship. Um, and then it never fails that uh, you see that, um, in most cases, I won't say this applies to everybody, but um, uh, they begin to monopolize each other's time, um, each other's relationships. Um, in some cases, values are monopolized of what people hold dear. Um, they will change what they believe for another person. Um, they'll monopolize responsibilities, uh, different things like that. And, and they're willing just about to sacrifice anything for this relationship. And, and I saw that in my life. I dated one girl in high school, and it wasn't a bad relationship per se, but I monopolized a lot of things, you know, relationship with my parents, with friends. I... I, uh, a lot of my really close friends I didn't 
uh, spend time with in that time period of my life. Um, you know, my time was all invested in this person. And, um, you know, really, when that happens, your emotions become so clouded that you really can't even see clearly that that stuff is even going on. It's just totally normal to you. And I think this is really kind of what happens in, in worship in, in the sense of worshiping the wrong things is that um, in our mind, like, you know, we see these things that attract us about a person. So that, that takes place in our mind. We put that into action by um, starting the relationship and then, um, you know, just like I said, we you know, monopolize time or relationships or values. So that's action. It's put into action. And then the emotions take over and it becomes so clouded that you can't see anything else. And so it's, we're, we're engaged in that person completely, if that makes sense. Um, so let's jump back into Romans 1 and talk about this, um, how these people are giving of, of their mind, will, and emotions to things other than God. And I guess I would ask, why is God angry? It's uh, the very you know, first verse there, 18, uh, the wrath of God is revealed. So God's mad about something. And why is he mad? Um, well, it says because the, the ungodly, unrighteous, uh, unrighteousness of men suppress his truth. Okay? So they have a truth about God. They know something about God, and they suppress that. They, they hide it. Um, and, and then it says um, God's made it, made it plain to them. Um, they uh, suppress his truth. They're... Um, God has made himself, his glory, and his word clear to all men so that they were without excuse is what it says. Um, but knowing these things, knowing these truths about God, they still choose to exchange the glory of God for something else. They're, they're saying, you know, well, God's glory isn't worth, you know, something else in my life that I, that I could be pursuing. They exchange God's glory. That's really powerful wording right there. Um, because what's, what's better than God's glory, you know? It, it, it's just... It kind of blows your mind when you read that, that people would exchange um, God's glory for something else. Um, so we see, we see here that the worship for, for uh, the people talked about in this passage, and I think it applies, you know, I, I would agree that it applies to us, too, because um, we've all done this. We've all exchanged God's glory for something else. And it says that, um, that uh or, or, or what's happening here is, is that I think worship is starting in the mind for these people. They know something about God, but they choose in their mind to disregard that and to say, um, well, God's glory isn't really worth um, what he says it is or what you know, God's word says it is. It starts in the mind. Okay? Um, they've decided to ignore God and his obvious plan, and they're deciding to believe in or trust something else contrary to him and his word. Okay, so um, I think I might have mentioned this last time I spoke too, but um, what what you believe ultimately determines how you're going to live. Okay, and so when we believe something, that determines our actions. So what the mind believes, the life acts out. Because mankind chose to ignore the truth of God and embrace other things, um, God gave them over to their lusts. So that's what we see what happens next is they choose to ignore all these things about God. And he gives them over. Or basically, um, it's the whole idea of kind of a free will that, that God won't make us worship him. Um, he's going to allow us to choose to love him or not to love him. And so, so they're given over to their lust. Okay? And so mankind basically begins to d- dishonor God with their lives. Um, 
And, and we see that when we, we choose something contrary to God's word is that we're given over. Um, so what happens as we read through these verses? Um, excuse me. Uh, we see we see a few different things. First of all, he talks about God's plan for marriage and for, you know, sex is twisted. And um, we see that, you know, um, some mention of, you know, homosexuality in those verses. And so that's twisted from God's purpose. God's giving them over. And, and because of that, it's twisted. Um, we see um, that people are filled with unrighteousness. They're evil. Uh, covet they covet things they're full of malice and envy and murder and strife and deceit and maliciousness maliciousness um, they're gossip slanderers haters of god insolent haughty boastful inventors of evil disobedient to parents foolish faithless heartless ruthless so basically that covers about everything you know that's that's going through the the whole the whole strand basically of that that when when we turn away from god when we um choose not to believe his truth then, then that gives us over to those things that that um uh, it's God's plan twisted, basically. Um, so what they believe with their mind, the heart begins to live out. And then what the act, uh, what the life acts out, excuse me, the heart begins to love. And, um, I think you see this kind of like I talked about in just relationships, even that, that you can choose to love someone or you can choose to, um, you can invest in something so much that you love it, even if it's not a good thing. I guess, does that make sense? Um, so because they took part in this evil, it says they began to love it. Uh, you, you see words like it says they were consumed with passion or um, uh, God gave them up to dis- dishonorable passions. So that's showing that the, the passion, it's a passion, it's something they love, it's something they're, they're seeking after. Um, and, and then uh, that, that last verse there, um, though they, they know God's decree, that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only practice them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So they're even going as far as not just to, to love some kind of wrongdoing. They're approving of other people that do that thing. And we see that in our world today, too, that, um, you know, it's, it's all over the place. People approve uh, of the wrong things because they're doing them, you know, and they, so they're going to approve of them as well. Um, so what the life acts out, the, the heart begins to love. Okay? So we see that in, in, in these scriptures that it begins in the mind. Worship, right or wrong, begins in the mind. It's put into action by the will, and it becomes a passion of life. Um, so we see here mankind is exchanging um, the, the glory of God uh, for created things rather than the creator. So they're, they're engaging in idolatry. And so I'd like to ask of us tonight, are we doing this or do we do this? And uh, are we exchanging the glory of God for something that's worthless or, or, or less than the glory of God? Are we worshiping created things rather than the creator? And, and I think the real question is not, um, will we worship something? Um, but it's what are we worshiping? Because... Um, I was reading, and one guy had a definition, or talked about the Trinity, and he said that the Trinity is, is continuous outpouring, again, outpouring of love, communication, friendship, and joy between the three persons of the Trinity. And so we're created in God's image. So um, I don't think that there's a time that we're not worshiping. I think we're always worshiping something, but the question is, what are we worshiping? Um, and so. 
you know, as these verses show, mankind just tends to worship the wrong things. Most of the time, we, you know, we don't, you know, obviously, like I said, worship idols in the sense of carvings or different things like that. Um, but we replace the true God with other things that, that, are, that are worthless. Um, I have some quotes from you from Tim Keller. He's a great, really good pastor. If you like to listen to podcasts, um, I enjoy listening to his sermons. But he had some really um, neat little quotes here that I wanted to read um, that talk about this this very issue. <clears throat> and he says, The very first of the Ten Commandments is to have no other gods before me. So according to the Bible, the primary way to define sin is not just the doing of bad things, but the making of good things into ultimate things. It's seeking to establish a sense of self by making something else more central to your significance, purpose, and happiness than your relationship to God. And so basically he's saying there that, that um, one of the, the main ways we can sin is, is not um, doing, just doing bad things, but it's making good things take the place of God. Worshiping even good things like, you know, family could be that. If you're, you know, if your kids are where you find your identity, then that's worship of your, your kids. And, and that's, you know, that seems like a good thing on the surface, but it could be a very bad thing. Um, he goes on to kind of talk about that. He says, if anything threatens your identity, you will not just be anxious, but paralyzed with fear. If you lose your identity through the failings of someone else, you will not just be resentful, but locked into bitterness. If you lose it through your own failings, then you will hate or despise yourself as a failure as long as you live. Only if your identity is built on God and his love can you have the self that can venture anything or face anything. <clears throat> An identity not based on God also leads inevitably to deep forms of addiction. When we turn good things into ultimate things, we are, as it were, spiritually addicted. If we take our meaning in life from family, our work a cause or some achievement other than God, they enslave us. We have to have them. Remember this. If you don't live for Jesus, you will live for something else. If you live for your career and you don't do it well, it may punish you all your life and you will feel like a failure. If you live for your children and they don't turn out all right, you could be absolutely in torment because you feel like a worthless person. If Jesus is your center and Lord and you fail him, he will forgive you. I like this part. Your career can't die for your sins. And, and I, I just thought those were some neat quotes just about um, we find our identity sometimes in, in, in really good things that aren't necessarily bad things. Um, but when we find our identity in anything other than Christ, um, you know, that's, that's a scary place to be. And we see that in the world all around us. You know, people will come up to you, hi, I'm so-and-so, I work at this place. And they're finding their identity, you know, in their job. And, and I'm not saying that that's bad to say that, but, like, you know, if, that, if that's your... Just like these people uh, in, in this in the scripture we're reading, um, they're outpouring their life into to other things other than God. And so, if you're outpouring your life into your job and your giving of yourself and your time and and uh, just putting your whole self into that, and it fails, then you know what are you left with? If you're if you're putting yourself into your your kids, and uh, which is a good thing to do, and you, but you're pouring all your time into that, and your kids turn out. Not like he planned. What do you, what do, you do? You know, <laughs> Jason's looking back at his kids here. <laughs> um, and that goes for anything. Anything in life that, that there's even a good thing that we make into ultimate things. 
And, and ultimately, um, the only thing that's going to satisfy us is not going to let us down at some point in our life is Jesus. Um, so what do we do? What are we going to do um, to to fix our, our idolatry problem if we have it? And I, I didn't even read any of these, but I'll run through this list real quick. These are things we could we could make into ultimate things or that we could put on some type of a a pedestal of worship, family, children, appearance, um, appearance, a big one in our culture today. Um, people will spend so much time on their appearance, um, and that can be an idol, um, job, wealth, possessions, hobbies, sports teams. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Social networking sites. That's a big one. Facebook, um, religious performance, status, power, Etc. Those making those things into ultimate things is is idolatry, and uh, no no offense to anybody who likes any of those things. I'm just making a point. I can I can make the things that I love into idols to music and art and, and different things like that. So, what do we do? Um, let's if you would turn with me to uh, Romans 12. We're going to read the first couple verses there, and so. If worship is is um, just set in set in motion by our mind, will, and emotions, um, a worship of wrong things is done that way. Then we have to to uh, worship in the correct way that way, using our mind, will, and emotions. Um, so let's read these verses here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so, basically, we have to renew our minds. If we have wrong mindsets about something, the Bible says we need to renew our mind. There we go. The first one, our mind, starts in the mind. Um, you look through there and he says things like, I appeal to you. So he's saying, uh, take this into consideration. Uh, listen to this. Uh, take note of this. And he says, remember the mercies of God. So he's calling them to, to think about who God is. Think about God being a merciful God and a good God. And um, a God that loves you and has a plan for you. He's saying, remember those things. Think about them. Um, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For your mind to be remo- renewed... You have to have new information going into your mind. Don't you have to be learning? You have to be putting things in there. Just like we we talked about today, I liked Jason's uh, exam, example about being drunk with the Spirit. You have to be filled with the Spirit. You have to be um, putting God's Word into your life to have your mind renewed. Um, you have to discern, or the, then he says things like discerning God's will. Thinking about God's will. What's what's God's will? Um and basically, he's just saying, take into account who God is and uh, what he wants in your life. You just think, of, think of godly things. Think of Christ-like things. Um, and then he, uh, our will this is the second one, our actions. Um, his word, he and his word are going to cause you to act. So he says things like, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's an action, right? It's causing us to, to do something, to act in a certain way. Um, he says, 
uh, or, or basically that, that's, that's the, what we're talking about, outpouring your life for Christ. Offer your body as a, li- a living sacrifice. Sacrifice and give all you are for him. And then he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. So that means you're acting in a way opposite to what um, the other passage we read, it, you know, malice and uh, strife and anger. You're, uh, you're acting in an opposite way um, to those. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world. Um, and then you will worship he says, when, when you offer your body as a living sacrifice and you're thinking about the mercies of God, um, that's your, your spiritual act of worship, he says. He said, because, because of those things, you're going to connect emotionally with God. You're going you're gonna to worship. Um, we're going to be able to discern what's good and acceptable and perfect. Um, we're beginning to love the things God loves and, and um, love who God is. And basically... The more we do that, the more engaged our life come, becomes with Christ, and and um, this is you know this is worshiping the right way. Um, I just I think so many times we limit worship to to just here on Sunday or on Wednesday, and worship is more I think about our daily lives every day, and not just about a song or about. Um, you know, a sermon or a prayer. Um, all those things are obviously a part. But um, worship is really about every day of our lives. We're seeking to pour our lives out for Christ and seeking to um, love the things he loves and um, you know, talk about spiritual things and, and have those on our mind. Just like, you know, we talked about this morning, just realizing that, that Christ is there with you and... and, and um, Using that in your life every day, you will worship something. You, you'll pour your life out for something. Um, don't exchange the glory of God for something that's worthless and, and way less than He is. And uh, I'm talking to myself too. You know, don't don't exchange the glory of God for for something worthless. Um, it, it sounds really silly when I say that. <laughs> And that's an obvious thing. If I asked any of us in here, we would say, no, let's not exchange the glory of God. But we do it. <laughs> we do it every day. And um, I'm, I'm just asking us to, to take that into account and, and to, to um, see that in our lives, just to have that on our minds. So offer your body as a living sacrifice. Um, let's pray. God, we just come before you once again, Lord. We thank you for your love and your mercy and, um, God, your goodness. Just thank you, Lord, that, um, God, you just poured out yourself for us and God, you died for us, took our place, God, of punishment that we deserve. And, um, God, I pray that we would, we would just do for you, um, just, uh, God, I just, I just pray that we would worship you, God. I pray that we would pour our lives out for you like you did for us. Um, that our lives would be a spiritual act of worship, Lord. That, that um, when we're here on Sundays and we're singing, we would worship you. And on Monday when we go to work or to school, that we would worship you. And on the weekends, doing whatever we're doing, that we would worship you, Lord. That that you would just be lifted up by our lives, God. Um, that people would see your glory. Lord, I just pray that you would help us not to exchange your glory for other things that are worthless. God, I pray that that um, we would just be aware 
of things in our life, God, that we exchange for you and, and that we would get rid of them, Lord. I just pray that we wouldn't make good things in life into ultimate things, Lord, that we would just um, keep you at the center and uh, most important, God. We just thank you, God, for, for your grace with us, God, your patience with us, and um, you're just so good. We just ask this all in your name tonight. Just name our prayer.